Hey, man. Ben, how you doing, brother? What's up, fellas? Everything's great. How are you? I cannot complain. I love it, bro. Uh, I'm going to get us live on LinkedIn. Uh, we're recording, and then we can start uh, talking about it. But I'm excited to have you here, man. Likewise. It's always good to chop it up with you, Marty and Nemanja. I'm a big fan of what you're doing, so we can talk all about beards and stuff too, right, guys? <laughs> I thought that's what we were coming here to talk. I thought we were coming here to talk about like beard products and oils and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's beard to beard weekly, right? That's what beard to beard weekly. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I think we're uh, live um, on Nemanja's LinkedIn. Uh, welcome everyone to another episode of B two B Weekly. Um, today we have a very special guest in the building, uh, Trent. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, man. Thank you guys. Yeah, so just to give context uh, for everybody else uh, listening, Nemanja and I host a, a weekly podcast. Um, usually it's him and I because we're narcissistic and we love the attention. Uh, but today we wanted to give room uh, to Trent, which I, I think is someone that's working some really interesting stuff. We've known each other for a long time now, and I think you and Nemanja also know each other. Uh, so Trent, we're very excited to ha have you here. Um, how about we start with, if you can give us some context on what you're working on with Pre-Ride, uh, a bit of your uh, background as well, just to give some context to the audience uh, on where you're coming from and what you're working on right now. Yeah, sounds good, guys. Well, thanks again for having me. Um, all beard jokes aside, I am very excited to be with you guys. Um, two of you guys, I mean, I, you guys just get it, right, in, in the current space. And I think what's awesome about what you guys are doing is it's like, it's no BS. So uh, so anyway, I'll try to keep the BS to the minimum on my end too. Um, I'm the CMO of prewrite.com. It is a storytelling and structure tool for uh, content marketers and content creators. Um, basically, we're built from the first principles of storytelling, which is probably what we're going to talk about today. Um, and I think there's been a lot of uh, buzz around the, like the, the term story on LinkedIn, Twitter, and you see all kinds of thought leaders like giving their perspective on story. Uh, and I want to like just keep it super tactical and, and real uh, with with the audience because there's so many misconceptions about the word story. So we're going to bust some BS here uh, today, hopefully. Yeah, man. I love that. That's, that's actually how we roll, right, Marty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to start, uh, I think we can do a bit, uh, not just Q&A, but just have more of a conversation. Uh, but, but I'd love to start with, you know, a question that I often hear when people talk about storytelling, which is storytelling is for like Disney movies and all that type of stuff. How does that translate to business or business results? Um, I'm wondering if that's something that you've heard or if that's something that, you know, you're seeing people uh, that they fully get it, right? like how storytelling can drive impact or if there's still misconception on, in, in the industry, especially in B2B, of like storytelling, it's just for books and movies. Yeah, there, there's tons of misconceptions in B2B specifically because uh, story usually lives like in the marketer's realm, right? So like if you're a salesperson or you're part of a leadership team, your story, you're like, okay, great. That's just some like poofy thing that marketing is gonna put forward and it's not gonna get us any leads. It's not gonna help us move anything, um, you know, in, in terms of pipeline. Um, that That's certainly false. And thanks to guys like Andy Raskin, um, who's evangelizing like the strategic narrative format, um, I think we're starting to to break some of this stuff down. And, and Dave Gerhardt too, from uh, uh, Privy and, and Drift previously. Um, really, if I were to like to define story, it's wrapping information in an emotional blanket and delivering that to, to your audience, right? So it can take many different forms. It can be for many different types of audiences. Um, but like primarily marketing has driven sales through like two, two very different and unique um, like properties, right? And one is through rational marketing, right? And I just tweeted about this and Nemanja, I know you, I know you saw it cause you liked it. Um, but like marketers used to try to convert sales through appealing to people's rational, rational brains, right? So I'm going to throw stats and uh, figures and data um, at, at the audience and say like, Oh, we're 57% better at doing this simple task for you 
like this is why you should buy our product and it's just so feature oriented right um and it's just data and there's you know the, the common saying is like uh data tells and story sells well if you have all this disparate data and it's just like making claims left and right that doesn't do me any good like okay great 50 percent 57 percent more efficient in this process but like what does that actually mean to me whose process are you talking about my process can't be the same as everybody else's so it's just really falling on deaf ears um, and then the other part of the marketers um i guess like folly if you will is appealing simply to emotions and you can probably like conjure up the images of like don draper and madman and like sex cells and fear mongering works and all that good stuff um but like marketers always ruin everything right that's what we always say so instead of appealing to um like just emotions they actually like kind of got us into this weird thing where we were coercing our audience into like being so fearful of something that might happen that they were forced to buy a product or like we totally over sexualized or sensualized uh something to get them to be like oh yeah that's that's totally for me like i want to have that lifestyle and you can see that on instagram specifically right with models and bottles and uh fake lamborghinis and and jets and stuff so um the, those two follies right so the appeal to the rational brain and the appeal to the heart um like if both of those things are broken, well, then what's the answer? And for me, and for a lot of other marketers now, uh, that answer is story. So it's taking the rational appeal and it's wrapping it in some of that emotion to actually string together a coherent uh, line of thinking. So in any case, that's like one of the things that I'm, I'm really pounding the table on these days for B2B storytelling in particular. Uh, like, great, you got your features, so what? What does that mean for my life? Uh, or you have your, your benefits, well, how do I know that this is actually going to work? Give me some some meat on the bone as well. So, yeah, that's that's my my uh, pontification for sure. I love it. I love it. Um, you mentioned Andy uh, Andy Raskin. I had him on my podcast a while back. I think he's doing a tremendous job. Yeah. Um, just because of how he simplifies really hard um, concepts. Uh, when he was on my podcast, he talked about the old world versus the new world, right? Yep. And having a, an enemy. Uh, that you're like trying to fix. Uh, Nemanja, I, I was wondering for you, because I think you're doing it very well um, with funky marketing. Do you guys have an enemy that you're dealing with? And I'll ask you the same thing for you, Trent, after a bit. And Nemanja, do you guys have something that you guys are fighting? And yeah, trying to create yeah. yeah, I mean, um, you got to have it if you want to polarize people. And if you want to change the industry, you need to polarize people. So you need to get them, uh, them out of the comfort zone and make them uncomfortable in, and like questioning things. And if they are questioning things, then they are in the position to actually learn and embrace some new stuff. So this is like the first thing that you need to do. And to be able to do this, well, you need, you need something that uh, people can be, can be passionate about, something that your team can be passionate about. And it needs to be a goal that is bigger than, than you, than your team, than the company itself. So um, that's why it's called like strategic narrative. It's, it needs to be um, from the level like, I don't know, uh, some people are using Facebook as, a, as, a, as a, an, like an evil thing or a bad thing or like Google uh, because it changes so many times. Like if you are working in SEO, that's, I mean, your biggest enemy. Uh, uh, for us, I mean, a uh, few things. Um, I'm looking at the few things. One is definitely uh, the old way the agencies are doing the job, which is basically doing just posting on social media and basic advertising. It means doing nothing at all. Uh, in today's world, the marketing is so complex that it's basically like the fifth utility. Uh, and the other one is um, looking at the way things have been done in, in B2B. In the, the old days, even before, I mean, that's Mad Men times, but even, even like going a little bit back, but where uh, we were communicating, uh, customers doesn't have, don't have a voice. So we are going, talking to them, not with them, not getting into the communication. 
where uh, we're talking only about features or about ourselves, like companies are making arrangements with agencies where, um, I mean, agencies are here to satisfy the company, not the final customer. Uh, and you know, those kind of things, and I mean, they just celebrate and it's a madman era, everybody is happy, everybody's going over there, but like, these days I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of things happening around men, men, and some, um, some ladies that are just getting into, into like watching the, the series, they are like, oh, there are some issues related to the way they treat women, uh, a lot of other things. So uh, a lot of bad things are in that, in that time. And B2B is still over there. It's still gray. It's still uh, no emotions, no feelings, uh, no two-way relationships. Uh, Marty, we talked about it in the, some of the previous episodes, like the way Netflix is changing things, the way Airbnb is doing stuff. And I don't expect like customers, no matter if they are like um, talking with a B2C or a brand or it's B2B, just to have like, okay, I will talk with, with this B2B company in a different way because they want me to. No, I mean, Netflix, Airbnb, and other B2C brands are changing the things and it will come to the B2B. So we are here to spark the change. I love it. Uh, what about you guys, uh, John? What's the, you know, the old world or the enemy that you guys are fighting for and, and what the new world look like for, for pre-write? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think... Before I get into the pre-write stuff, I think there's something that Manya brought up that makes so much sense is like with the old world and the new world, uh, it's not just like that. Like there's also like the stakes that are involved too, right? And that's what really makes story dynamic because if you know like what's at stake, like what you could lose, and this is what Andy Raskin says too, like there are winners and losers if you don't adopt to the new world. And I think that's why uh, both, both you, Marty, and the Manya have been so successful because you're showing people literally like, if you don't change the way you're doing things, uh, if you're not standing out, if you're not making a name for yourself, like you just, you become noise. And to, to borrow from another guy, like Josh Braun, like he's got his, be a red, a red X and a sea of white circles. So same thing. Um, and as far as like, well, okay, great. Like how do I identify like what this big change is in the world and, and how do I cast stones at my enemies? Um, there's a, a one sentence, 27 word, uh, like filter that I've put everything through. It's by a copywriter named Blair Warren. Um, and, and Blair says, people will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their fa failures, allay their fears, confirm their suspicions and help them throw rocks at their enemies. And it's like, like, holy shit. Like, yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Like that's like the most universal application of the human condition. And if we can apply that, not just to B2C where a lot of people think story lives, but in B2B again, like we're, we're not selling to like some faceless corporation. We're selling to somebody who's making a decision for a faceless corporation, right? So like, that's the difference. Um, so in our case, like with pre-write, the old world of doing things actually isn't that old um, other than like the script, right? So the script for uh, television and for film came into existence probably like the turn of the, the 20th century. So early 1900s, and it still lives in a paper format, right? So like in Hollywood, like, yeah, there's like, um, uh, digitized versions, but most times like a 100 page stack of paper is slapped on somebody's desk and somebody has to go through and like redline it out and analyze it and all that. And it's like, you know, what are you guys doing? Um, like that's like the only industry that, that still exists. So when we take the, the digital version of that, um, we're not just like making what's tangible and now intangible, but we're also adding a layer of analysis to it as well. So think about how long it takes to go through a hundred pages of anything uh, using some of our content analysis engines and, and some of the, the really cool stuff behind the scenes. We can actually spit out like the top level analytics that any story is ever going to need. That's going to make it more closely uh, aligned with other films and, and products that are successful. Right? So, so there's that from, the content creator side of things, which is where I'm, I'm honestly most excited about because that's my background. I've come from marketing agencies. I've been in this business for 10 years or, or so. Um, what's really cool is borrowing the structure that's involved in like the screenwriting practice uh, and applying it to content marketing. And, and I'll, I'll make a bold declaration that content marketing is just storytelling. Um, and, and some people might not agree with that. I think Marty, you do. Cause when you were on my podcast, you said something to that effect, 
uh, but structure, right, is like a tale as, as old as time, like literally going back to Aristotle when he had, hey guys, we're going to do everything with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And we're going to raise this, we're going to give the, the current point, we're going to raise the stakes, we're going to see what happens when they fail, and then we're going to see how that, that hero picks themselves back up. So in any case, for, for the content creation market, we fight every single day with Google Docs, Microsoft Word, Trello, um, Notion, like anything that's basically a free tool that you can like just have is associated with like your, your core business suite. And we are a specialized version of that that's made specifically for creators to tell better stories that, that move people and uh, move audiences, right? So that's what we face. Yeah, I, I love that because um, it, it's very interesting to me how we can transfer, you know, marketing expertise and, and use that from, you know, the greatest storytellings of the past, right? I remember when uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, RIP, like he uh, stopped playing basketball, he moved into storytelling and he, I think he won an Oscar with uh, Love Basketball and like he created the podcast with the Punits for children and he had a studio of just storytelling. And, you know, he talked about how his expertise really came from like the Greeks and the Romans like, um, and those philosophers that had great storytelling from that time. Um, and just being able to apply the same principles to today, it's something that I think is super interesting. Besides that, I think everyone thinks that, I think everyone thinks that they can tell a good story, but they telling a good story is really fucking hard, right? Yeah. Like the, what you guys were mentioning about like raising the stakes, right? Like having that structure, I think it's something that most people don't know when it comes to building a story. Because um, we can tell a story to our friends, but it's not a very good story and, and it doesn't apply like that. Uh, for, for us, it's been, it's been interesting because this has been something that's been really on my mind about what's the old world versus the new world for us. I think one of the things that we're fighting is the old world of PR, public relations, right? Having to pay 10, 15, 20K retainers to PR agencies who don't work on deliverables, who still try to publish you on Forbes, but they're really just paying for the placement and you're buying that credibility is something that I think the industry is broken. And PR in the new world looks like the CEO has his own audience. He is self-sufficient and he owns that distribution through social channels such as Twitter, LinkedIn, Medium, YouTube, all that stuff. So that's how we're trying to change that. Obviously, I think those new worlds don't happen quickly and you have to build that movement, especially if you are one of the few people that are pushing that movement forward. Um, but it's worth it, right? Like we've seen drift with conversational marketing. We've seen B2B companies do that. And when you create that new category, then you're the, like, um, Josh Brown says the uh, red eggs in the, in the sea of white circles. Yep. Um, so you can drive the impact and make the business case for it. It just matter of like, how good are your stories and are people resonating with? Yeah. And I think, the, the resonance part of it is, is so important too, because like we remember stories way better than we remember stats and like even like marketing puffery, right? So Marty, obviously you and I are, are friends. We've been talking for a while, but I can like right now I can give you this, the Marty Sanchez story, right? So uh, you, you were uh, in Spain, you came over to the U.S., you played basketball in the U.S., uh, you had a really hard time, you missed your home, um, by the grace of God or whatever, you've, you found the ability to, to connect with uh, some of your classmates. Lo and behold, some of your classmates actually entrusted you, a non-native speaker, to write their term papers for them, uh, which is an interesting thing too, because when you tell your story, like one of the objections I'm sure that goes off in, in any of your prospective buyers' minds is like, well, if you're from Spain, like how are you going to be able to write my content? Like you're not a native speaker. But by addressing that in, the, in your own personal story, you've already like diffused that objection before they even get the chance to, to say that. Right. So like, that's huge. Uh, uh, after struggling with some mental health, uh, you go back to Spain, you start uh, a couple of different things. You do your D to D e-com stuff. Um, you know, your mom's a big central figure in, in your story and uh, your object of, des of desire is always to I, I probably make your mom proud, right? Like no matter what it is you do. And so then you go on and you start influence podium, you come back to the States uh, I, I think I just saw you guys close like 20K in MRR recently, which is amazing. Uh, and you're actually like doing the things that you say that you want to do for other people as well, right? It's so, like, 
I haven't looked, I haven't listened back to our podcast episode in a long time. I have not read like the blog post on it, but I remember all of those key things, those key uh, inciting incidents and how that relates to what it is you're doing now. Um, and that's the power of story in my opinion, because there's certainly other people doing content marketing and thought leadership and ghostwriting. But I remember your story, Marty, because it's so memorable. Yeah. I think like you say, right? Like we, we are wired to remember stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I think that's how we communicated knowledge from a prehistorical time, right? Like that's uh, how we're able to like put the carvings in the walls in the caves and how communicated that, you know, when lions come, it's bad and you should run because we, we, it usually happens, right? Uh, so I, I love that we, the way you approach storytelling and how that applies to B2B, I think is super interesting. And I think Pre-Ride's doing a great job with that. Um, Nemanja, how, how do you think um, business should implement more storytelling in their content and in their marketing? Uh, what are some of the things that you guys are doing um, that you think other companies in, in B2B should be doing or aren't doing and why? In the, the main thing here is uh, to get everybody aligned on the, on the culture, on the strategy, on the mission of the company. I mean, that's how you should hire in the first place. Uh, it all starts with the founder and the story and everything and everyone that joins the company are actually the stepping stones in building building the construction of the of the story of the company. Uh, I mean, we can call it the story, we can call it the culture, we can call it the values. Those are all the parts of the same of the same thing. Uh, but I think in, in B2B, especially where I am in um, B2B software based fast growing companies, uh, it's all related to tech. And companies forget who's actually building the tech, the people. And people have the stories. And to be able to uh, like feel that they belong to the company, okay, we are like coding things, yeah? Or building some products or something else. Some of them are building the products that will be available in two years. Like, let's say if you are a developer. So you need something else to hold on to the company, to hold on to the project. Maybe it can be something the company is doing outside of it. So uh, like uh, some charity thing, or it can be a strategic narrative where they are going that you are passionate about. But in most cases, uh, it should be the companies that empower people to tell their, their stories inside the company story. So, uh, I mean, LinkedIn is a B2B podium right now. I mean, Twitter as well, but, uh, but it all now depends who, who um, I don't know, who's better in telling short stories, who's better in telling it in long form, who's uh, like more slower, let's say for the LinkedIn, who is more uh, attached to the phone and everything else that Twitter brings with it, excitement uh, and their activism. But um, like basically empowering people to tell their stories inside the company story. It's one thing that, uh, that gets the company not to tell only one story, but to tell many different stories that aligned in one. I think that this is what we are trying to do. And by what I'm seeing, I'm really happy that I think we are succeeding because people are not talking only about me. They are talking about funky marketing, which is, which is good. And we are like different people inside the company. You know, there's a girl from Spain. Um, there's a guy uh, from, from my city where I am, but also somebody that comes from totally different environment. Um, so we are totally, totally different. There is uh, Totsi, uh, my director, who is, who's been managing the team of 25 content writers before. Then he dropped out everything. He moved to Spain. Um, some kind of life uh, situations happen over there. He started a new business, he failed, he got back. Uh, and now he, he's working with me or building something new. You know, just an example of how many stories you have in there. Like Linda from Spain has a, has a brand which is called like uh, Keep It Funky Barcelona, BCN. Uh, and you see the alignment with funky marketing with the name and everything. So it's related to the, the promotion of uh, of wines and those kind of stuff not really related to that but it brings also that b2c moment of emotions of feelings on you know those kind of stuff and i think every company has that they just need to embrace it and they need to empower people to go ahead and 
share that. I was just listening today to the presentation of a friend of mine. It's the one that I'm coming back about the culture of the company. Uh, it's from 2015, actually. Uh, I listened to it in 2017, which is the first time that I started to build the company culture. But it's uh, it's a lot related to like the company has a meeting and say let's empower people. Like, but how do you empower people uh, with removing all the friction or the things that are there? Like, if you right now jump into any company and says, um, okay, we're gonna do some lectures, uh, record some education, something like that. Who wants to go first? Like, if they don't have that kind of a culture, nobody will step up. Like, it's not that they don't know, it's not that they don't care, it's just that there are a couple of obstacles over there that haven't been communicated before. So I think uh, communication is the first step uh, to there, then is like knowing in, in uh, which kind of the story people are coming with joining the company, and then empowering them to tell their own stories inside the company story. And I think this is the thing that not many companies are actually doing. If they were doing it, there were there would be a lot more successful companies on LinkedIn, for example. It's that easy, you know. I mean, building a culture and the story, it's not easy, but if you do it right, it's easy to dominate the platform. Uh, because you are empowering people. Everybody wants to, you know, to be known for something or to teach something. Everybody can teach something, but you need to get them in the mindset and to empower them to that they are really able to do that. I have a question for you guys. Uh, when it comes to storytelling, sometimes the hero, maybe that's another question. The hero should be you or should be the audience, but let's put that later. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about yourself and, and your journey, uh, there's times where the hero is flawed and it's not perfect. How do you uh, approach that flawness um, when you're, you know, storytelling to your clients, to your audience, and you can have, and you would wonder how you're going to be judged by them. And if that's going to be something that's going to stop people from working with you, uh, do you embrace it like it's eight mile, the movie of Eminem, or do you uh, just not approach it? What, what have you guys found the best when it comes to, you know, uh, uh, approaching and addressing the negatives or the flawed moments of your story? I have like a one word, a two word answer, and that's just embrace it, right? Um, but specifically, like your tragic flaw or like your your hero's flaw is probably the inverse of your greatest strength or might actually also be your greatest strength as well, right? So situationally speaking, like how you approach that is going to be a little bit different. You're not going to say like, yeah, I cannot stop thinking about uh, being a uh, a pet taxidermist and I'm going to break into people's hot. Like, no, like you have a, a love for uh, like that art form, I guess is what you're going to call it. But um, yeah, no, I think for every like negative trait, there's always an equal and opposite uh, positive trait. So I, I lean into the positive for sure, but, but not uh, backing away from the negative. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, we should, we should embrace it. And um, I think I'm even overstepping the, the embracement sometimes uh, because like I'm into this situation when, when, I'm, when I want to change the industry, I want to do things. I mean, I can always find another job. You know, that's how I look at it. So let's see what, what's happened, what happens next. Because I don't see many CEOs or many people overall that are like sharing those kind of stuff. Uh, you know, vulnerability, some things that are that aren't good like you know we just lost two clients i'm writing that because okay this is life and this is the everyday situation everybody who's in the trenches they know that it's a common situation when you run the agency uh even though sometimes it's not your fault at all but those are kind of the things and you can explain it from your from your um, angle i'm trying also to be open about uh, all the things that might turn out negative why? Because uh, if I don't talk about it, don't embrace it, and don't uh, like create a conversation around it, maybe, I don't know, this is something where I was right and the client was wrong. And the client might be the one, just one situation, that can share about it. 
and if I go ahead and like write in the comment or do whatever, um, I'm then the second one who is transferring the message or the event, how it happened, you know, and my opinion is then the second one. So it, it is also something that can get you out of the trouble if you, if you embrace what happens and not to put everything under the carpet. Uh, sometimes it's, it's you that is making the mistake or somebody from your team or your company. And this is something that will happen. We are all like flawless people and uh, we need to embrace the, the fact that those things are happening. Uh, and I mean, yeah, that's, that's basically that. I'm trying to kind of change the way also the CEOs are, uh, I mean, I don't know if still, if I'm considering myself as a CEO or marketer, but uh, <laughs> I'm both definitely but uh, I'm trying to change what are the things that we are sharing. Like how can a, C a CEO share like the story about his dad playing basketball or, you know, those kind of, those kind of things. But those are, Marty is also sharing some things related to, to sports, to those kind of things. But those are great things where we can actually show that we are people and there are some things that we care about. It's not just business. And I think by doing that, by showing that kind of uh, vulnerability, um, we will attract the right partners, the right uh, companies that will work with us. I think that's all uh, two-way uh, communication and two-way uh, telling the stories, actually. And by doing that, by being open and vulnerable, we are uh, inviting other people to our story, to finish the story together. I love that. I love that. I, I, I agree 100%. Uh, for me... The reason I asked that question is because I've talked about mental health before in LinkedIn and I've, it's something that personally I, I really believe in. Um, and while I don't have a huge platform, you know, if I, you know, if, if my story can help someone that's worth it. And if we can like take the stigma out of mental health, I think that's also important. Um, and ironically, I, I decided to put, you know, 10, 15 stories in a row. On LinkedIn and that's when my content performed the best and it was stories that some of them were related to marketing some of them were not um, but I think it gave people a different perspective of who I am and who, my company and I thought that was really helpful for us to you know bring in new opportunities people saying hey I read about this then I actually went to your site which has nothing to do with mental health but I actually think that could be some more things that we can collaborate with etc etc um, so storytelling, when it comes to, you know, those things that we might not be so proud of, especially when we face full front them and embrace them, I think can be a really powerful tool, like, like you, Trent, were saying. Um, I think we have some questions on LinkedIn. Um, Nemanja, do you want to read uh, Ivan's question? I think that he's from your team as well. So you want to? I mean, he's the one asking all the questions. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Uh, can we, he said, I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Nolan's narratives. Can we use nonlinear narratives in B2B storytelling? I'm not sure. So I'll pass that yeah. to you guys. Yeah, you absolutely should. So um, Kurt Vonnegut is a, a writer who's done this really well. And obviously uh, uh, Jonathan Nolan too, uh, and, and Christopher Nolan for that matter in film and TV. Um, but the, the idea behind nonlinear is like you get dropped right into the action. And like, there's no pretext, there's no build up to who this character is, what they're doing. Like you're literally like just dropped into whatever situation that, that they're in. Um, I, I think this used to be very, very common on, on LinkedIn, uh, thanks to Josh Vector and, and Banff Media and obviously turned into broetry a little bit, which now people uh, frown upon. Um, but that's mostly because the way that, that I think Josh like over-exaggerated certain things. Um, but like, think about it this way. Like anytime you see the opening credits for any movie, like it's not someone sitting solitary like this. Like it's usually, even if the, the film has nothing to do with New York city, it's usually like a flyover of New York city. Um, it moving, right. Because it's creating uh, inertia and motion. Um, and like that causes the audience to lean in. And I think the same thing can be done on, on LinkedIn for sure. And across all, uh, all media channels. I mean, YouTubers do this all the time, like with the jump cuts and, and, and like the fast movement. Um, because like our brains, again, with story, we're, uh, we're wired to see something that's different. 
And then our brains make that automatic response is it's like a fight or flight scenario. Like it's a heightened sense of attention. So yeah, love, love the nonlinear narrative for sure. Uh, follow up question for you, Trent on that. Yeah. Uh, you talked about, you know, how broetry is now frowned upon. Yeah. Uh, how do you think about, um, you know, breaking through, right? Having a breakthrough and in innovating in the way you storytell, then that working real well, everybody copying and that becoming standard and then having to innovate again. Is that something that you have seen that it's kind of the process of how storytelling works in general and specifically in like smaller communities like B2B on LinkedIn? Where one yeah, look, I, I, I just interviewed. Yeah, I, I just interviewed a guy that uh, nine to five is an enterprise risk management consultant, and uh, he wanted to start a TikTok channel. And he started this TikTok channel about video games, right? And uh, all like within three months, he got up to sixty thousand followers, and over uh, like one video had one million views. And in aggregate, he's got like twenty million views or something. And what he did is he looked at all of these TikTokers that got like massively famous. And it was all like a zoom up of their face and then like whatever was happening in the background, right? So he said, screw that. I'm going to break from pattern. I'm going to create this new format for TikTok that really kind of feels like, like a CNN news segment basically. And then he applied that to the TikTok format. So um, indirectly, Marty, I, I think I'm answering your question. Like, yeah, you have to stand out. And that's like, that's, a, that's also an age uh, or a tale as old as time, because if you're not getting that first hook uh, or if you're not capturing that attention, if you're using like the ADA format, attention, interest, desire, and, and action, like you, the rest of your content doesn't matter. Like you have to get that initial hook. Hello, what, what do you think, Nemanja? Uh, yeah, that initial, that, that initial hook is something I'm talking with my team like on a daily level. It's not, so I'm trying to improve the way they start, they start the post, they start everything because like, a lot of people kind of uh, think like, okay, this is a social media post. Let's just analyze it. And people think, okay, we can start casual. But it's also something that Josh was, uh, was talking about like years ago. Like you should start with something that sparks emotions. Not the happy ones, but the ones that will make us uncomfortable. Even, even piss us off. And then in the rest of the post, like we can uh, get it down to where we want, want them to go but we need to make them feel something. That's what they will react. I mean, okay, maybe it can be a fact. Maybe it doesn't need to, to be like, uh, I don't know, some, something that, that strong, but uh, even a, a stat that, uh, that is important to some target group is something that will make us react. But those like first uh, few lines of everything that we are writing are uh, extremely important to get us uh, hooked to, to that thing and to uh, keep keep reading forward. Which I think relates back to nonlinear narratives as well, right? I think that's a good way to... Yeah, did you know? I didn't tell you. Like uh, when, I was, when I was younger, uh, people were telling me that I was uh, a few years ago, like I was uh, Josh or, or Gary Vee from Serbia. <laughs> but it was funny times. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure as well. Like one is Ben from LinkedIn and the other one, well, it's Gary. Yeah. So. Uh, we have a couple more other questions. I'm not sure if they're super related with storytelling, but I'm happy to answer them. Um, what What do you think about, Martia, what do you think about guest, guest podcasting? How to choose perfect guest and podcast to be a guest? Is it modern day guest blogging and, and link building? Um, do you, do you want us to answer it today, Nemanja? Do you want us to keep it for next week and focus on storytelling? Finish it with that. I mean, let's, let's focus on, I mean, let's take it into the storytelling thing. Like how can choosing the right guest for your podcast uh, make the story that, uh, that you are telling better? Or, yeah. you know, like those kind of things. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know if you're familiar, Trent, because I don't know if we talked about this last time we chatted, but um, we've niched down influence podium to a very specific service where uh, we hope you get booked on podcasts and then we repurpose that into linkedin or twitter content uh yeah. still with b2b ceos and all that it's just where the content comes from is a bit different instead of us interviewing them uh we leverage the host audience to get some short-term impact and then long-term build your own audience through your own content uh, so uh, that's why 
to give you context on that question. Um, at the end of the day, when we're working with B2B CEOs, um, they have a story that they want to share, right? And it's how do we share that story? Um, our mission as a company is to help spread messages for sharing, which at, at its core is storytelling. Um, so I think when looking to find the right podcast is about where is the best outlet for my story. Mm -hmm. That comes down to, you know, audience quality, audience size, audience geography. So fully understanding the audience of the podcast host. Um, we do that by listening to a lot of the episodes that they've done previously and also looking at their social media interactions. Uh, but that's well, how we... Let, let, me, let me blow your, your mind then. Because sure. I've, I've, been, I've been trying to stay away from talking too much about pre-write in a promotional Please. sense. Please. Um, but we will shortly be integrating with uh, the database at Podchaser. Uh, have you heard That's of, what of Podchaser? That's what we yeah, use. yeah. So instead of having like six different tabs open in like four different Google Docs, or whatever, if you are planning your podcast uh, episode in pre-write, uh, we can tap into the the Podchaser database and actually populate that information directly within. So when you can like pull the, the metadata for uh, Justin Welsh's last uh, interview on Kevin Dorsey's podcast or whatever, you probably want to ask Justin different questions than Kevin did, right? So like now you're going to have like all of that access directly within one, one single source of truth for, for the podcast story. So um, yeah, we are super pumped uh, about that opportunity with those guys. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> Another integration partner, uh, Matchmaker, um, pulling in all of their uh, database, so you can see not just you know the the top one percent of guests that you want, but anybody else that's talking about similar things as well. So, yeah, it's it's very exciting for us. I love I love that. Yeah, let, let's talk about that definitely uh, when you guys have that enough camera because yeah. I'd like to hear more about that. Um, and when it comes to is it modern day guest blogging and link building? I mean, the link building is an added benefit of being a guest on podcast, especially with, when we work with our clients, we only book on podcasts and link back to the site. So you're getting some SEO value out of it. Uh, I think of it like it's the icing of, on, on top of the cake, but it's not our main selling point. Really, the, the main selling point, I think, with podcast guesting is one is the short-term and long-term impact that you're driving. Short-term, you're leveraging the host audience um, and reaching hundreds, thousands of your target audience right away. And you're able to share that message in a more uh, in-depth versus with that social media does, right? It's different consumption when you're posting on social media content, which is more, uh, you're going for what? Uh, with? I don't know, I'm saying that right. Like, uh, which is when you're doing for podcasts, where you're going more for depth. And then long-term, you're using that content to be repurposed into social. Whether you're working with us or you're doing it yourself, um, that's why we think it's such a great pillar piece of content. Um, and that gives you, uh, entry on the podcast well and then you can later go into running your own podcast i know you trend trend are doing stuff over there as well um but i i do think that it should be a key cornerstone on a, every content marketing strategy um especially for ceo personal branding definitely uh but i think we've covered a bunch of topics i don't know if nemanja you have anything else um on my end i think we we've covered everything that i want to ask trend uh Nemanja, do you have anything else that you think we should discuss let me check if there are any questions uh, no for now yeah uh, i would like to uh to have a kind of the ending of talking about where b2b storytelling is going like not only the storytelling but also the content where do you think uh companies are going with that and what will happen i mean in this year we don't need to go much further in these times when we don't know what will happen in the next three yeah. months. But some things that you're seeing right now and we are like navigating towards them. Yeah, so I, I think one thing is story is gonna start being the foundational layer from which every other marketing and sales activity and internal activity um, like stems from, right? So we're working with, with a company that's a multi-billion dollar uh, manufacturer with multinational conglomerates, all of that. Uh, we originally approached storytelling with them from like an external perspective. And what they told us, they were spending $300,000 on 12 trade shows a year uh, and training programs a year uh, 
and none of them were related. None of them had uh, the same theme. None of them, none of them were um, pulling on the same threads, basically, for the story that the company was telling. So rather than go out and spend another, you know, 1.2, 1.5 million dollars on events and everything, uh, we started back at the foundational level and say, hey, here's the story. Uh, they serve a distributor network. They serve a contractor network. Tons of different characters involved in their story, right? How do we con condense all of that into one through line that makes sense uh, for all of their marketing activities and, and sales activities? So I think that that's going to be core. If you don't have that um, strategy, and story basically is strategy, right? Uh, then everything else is kind of just like uh, pissing into the wind. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I just said it. You are. You are. Yeah. So, You're to so say anything. I think that's a big big point. I also think um, the, the platform agnosticism is going to be very, very important. We see this so much now with the creator economy in, in particular, but like if a creator is married to one channel in particular, like YouTube, and YouTube changes something about their monetization or they change their algorithm and you don't have an audience built up on another platform, what happens? Like you've effectively lost your, your leverage, right? And, and we see this on LinkedIn. I know Gary Vee has been pounding the LinkedIn table for what, two, three years now. And I think people are finally starting to see it. Um, but for as much positive that you see on LinkedIn, you also see like the 30,000 liked uh, posts about somebody doing like really bad things in DMs, like whether it's harassing individuals or, or being you know racist and, and all these like just horrible things. So again, I think um, content diversity is going to be a very big part of storytelling. Um, and the great thing about storytelling too is again, like you have this core value, you have stakes, you have characters that are involved, you have a scene, uh, and depending on whatever platform you're posting on, you can either condense that or expand it um, to fit the the needs of the platform, right? That which is why like so many LinkedIn people are are just flooding to Twitter right now because it's a very similar format, which is why uh, podcasters also do really well on YouTube. Um, so yeah, I think that that's uh, another big trend that we're going to see in storytelling for sure. Love that. I, I have a couple of things uh, which are completely opposite to one another. Uh, one is what we talked about: humanizing B two B content. I think more content will come from personal brands um, than from company point of views. Hopefully, we'll be a part of that movement. And then completely opposite to humanizing is I'm really curious, and Nomanya, you and I have talked about this about the effect of AI in content marketing. Um, so how can we utilize uh, artificial intelligence to make more efficient, more output, uh, more data-driven content, uh, which I know is completely opposite to humanizing it. I wonder what the balance between tech and more human is gonna look like. Um, but I, I, that's where I see both sides. Um, and I'm very interested to see which one of the two or what combination of the two really uh, is what ends up being standard. Interesting. Yeah, those are, those are really interesting points that we'll see how they will unravel. Um, also, Marty, you wanted to, to bring a point about uh, being the main character or being the, the one that is helping the main character. Uh, where I talked about who's the hero uh, mm -hmm. for the audience. I think that's a good question. What, what, what do you think, Trent? Do you, do you want to finish us, uh, you and Emmanuel, do you guys want to finish us with that and then we can close this thing up? Yeah, sure. Um, so story brand Donald Miller was probably the most um, impactful in, in helping people understand that uh, you are not the hero in your customer's story, right? They are the hero. Um, you're merely the guide. You're the Sherpa that's shepherding, shepherding them along, along the way. Um, I think that's definitely true. When it comes to your personal story, though, you got to be the hero of your of your damn story, right? Like too often you hear people like, oh, my boss won't let me do this. Like, oh, uh, the company isn't forward looking and allowing me to post on LinkedIn. Well, damn it, you are you're writing your own story. Like if if you cannot um, take that action and like be that person that you need to be, like you're always going to be the victim, right? So rather than be the victim, be the hero of your own damn story for the personal context. And then when it comes to business related storytelling and, and like who you represent as an organization, like, yeah, it's always about the customer because if you don't have a customer, you don't have a business. So that would be my two cents there. What do you think, Nemanja? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely agree. And I think uh, the, the, the part when you need to be the hero of your own story, it's the part that we often tend to forget nowadays. Like it's all like being a Robin to the Batman and you know, those kind of things. But we forget that, we, that Robin is also a hero, you know? Is also uh, a different one, but is a hero. And uh, like looking at that example, like uh, the 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 hero that is helping the main hero is often the one who is like uh, who needs to be presented as more vulnerable, vulnerable, uh, as the one who is more like like human-like, uh, and the one who is here to tell the the bigger story than it, than his own story. That's his story, you know, to help bring other stories to the front and uh, establish their own potential. And uh, I mean, it's so, so much material in there to tell your own story that it's unbelievable. Like, let's look at it from my example, like, or Marty from yours. You're working with so many different companies and just like being a part of all those stories, it gives you the chance to tell, uh, I mean, at least six different stories per month. But having also like uh, related to that, having your own team, which are like part of your story, uh, is like multiplied by the, by the number of people. So they all have been working in, with different companies, with different industries. They all grew up in different environments. It's like mind blowing how many stories are around us. And if we just take a, take a step back and look at that, it's, uh, it's unbelievable what we can do. But there is one step that everybody is bored with and everybody like would say, oh, it's like popular psychology. It's like that when we need to, uh, to like understand who we are and who we are as the heroes of our own story. What do we want to achieve? Uh, you know, those kind of things. And uh, a lot of people don't want to get deeper into that, like ever in their life. And I think by, able to, by being able to do that, I mean, there, there's sky is the limit what, what we can achieve. I love that. I think that's a good way to end it. Um, Nemaya, obviously, thank you for being here. Trent, thank you so much for joining us. Um, huge pleasure to have you, man. Yeah, likewise. If I could uh, leave the audience with something uh, that I think is, is accessible for everybody, because I'm sure like, everyone's convinced by now that you got to start telling stories, but like, what's that first step? Um, there's an exercise that we do with a number of our clients called First, Last, best, worst. And those are the four columns across the top. And then there are prompts um, that are specific to like what it is that you do, right? So if you're a salesperson, the prompt would be, what was your first, best, last, and worst cold call, uh, demo, uh, pitch, client, whatever. And you start thinking through those things. And I guarantee you, if you don't think you have stories, if you start thinking of, of your experience in that respect, like, oh yeah, well, this guy was a, my best customer for sure because he did X, Y, and Z. Um, then you can tease out the who, what, where, when, why, and how and, and start to build a story from there. So um, anyway, I will I'll send you guys that link and we can get it posted so everybody can take a look at how to use that too. Nice, and one thing, Marty, for the end, uh, Trent, for the, the audience that is just listening the audio, yeah. Can, you, can you tell us where they can find more information about you or you and the company and everything else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Twitter, uh, I follow both these guys on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash Trent Anderson. The O in Anderson is a zero, so don't get confused. And then if you want to uh, start writing uh, stories and using some of the templates and structures we have in place for free at prewrite.com. That's P-R-E-Write, W-R-I-T-E.com. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Marty, always a pleasure. Trent as well. Likewise, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. Talk soon, fellas. All right.